0: Visit AscentEquityGroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only.
1: That was pretty much my presentation was saying, I I can find deals, I'm hustling, here's some proof. I need some money, I'd like to make a, a bigger piece of the pie. Can you figure out a way that we can do this?
2: then fund that flips the way to go their team has over 200 deals under their belt and uh, you can actually this is crazy you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information uh, so go to fund that forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects Best ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I hope you have the best ever weekend. It's Situation sat- well it's Saturday, so we've got to do a situation because it's a special segment that we do. So because it is a special segment, because it's Situation Saturday, well, we've got to put our best ever guests in a difficult situation, and it's not a situation that is hypothetical. It's a situation that today's Best Ever Guest has been there and done that. So he's going to walk us through exactly how he did it. And here's a situation that I'll get into. We'll get in. We'll introduce the guest, the Best Ever Guest. The situation is you've got a good idea. You will hustle. You'll add value. But you're missing an important piece, and that's the money. Uh, So you're not a W-2 employee. You don't have a full-time job. But you've got the, the soft skill sets that are there and you've got a good idea. So how the heck do you get funding uh, for your real estate business? With us today, we have a previous best ever guest. You can listen to his best ever advice, episode 457, titled How to Stay Local and Dominate. How are you doing, Chad Carson?
1: Yeah, I'm doing great, Joe. It's great to be here and great to be here with the best ever guest.
2: Yeah. Well, you're the best ever guest. You're here with the best ever listeners. Listeners.
1: Gosh, man. Thanks for the correction. <laughs> yeah. The listeners, I'm, I'm just excited to be here. Either way.
2: <laughs> yeah. Either way. either Semantics. No big. We're all about outcomes, not about specifics leading up to the outcome. So the outcome is to uh, walk us through this situation. So first, can you like in 60 seconds or less, can you give us a brief background on you and then we'll get into the situation?
1: Sure. Yeah. I've been a full time real estate entrepreneur for 13 years now. And so my kind of the unique part of my story is I've been flipping. I've done rentals. I've done lending. I've done a lot of different kind of niches, but the, the interesting part is I graduated from college and sort of got right into it. And so the thing that brings us up to this situation today was I didn't, I didn't have a track record. First of all, I had a lot of energy, enthusiasm, and I was studying the game, but I didn't have a regular job which is which is something that a lot of people take for granted when you're if you're a newbie investor and you actually have a w-2 income and a good credit and everything else you can at least go get a few mortgage loans or go to the bank and have some credibility well that wasn't my situation i was you know i could dress nicely and i could communicate well and i had a good, good college history but they don't look at your grades and say hey good job having a biology degree in college we're going to give you a loan and so i had to figure out how to how to put some deals together and Part of that was just hustling and kind of being a deal, assigning deals. But I, I wanted to get into owning deals and buying and flipping houses and, and most importantly, buying some rental properties so that I could eventually own and get some income. And so I had, to, I had to sort of think outside the box a little bit to figure out how to put my deals together and get funding for those.
2: All right. Well, you've laid the groundwork for a situation. And by the way, just quickly for the Best Ever Listeners, Chad currently owns 57 residential units around Clemson, South Carolina. He's, a, As he mentioned, he's a full-time investor. You say hi to him at CoachCarson.com. And again, if you want to hear his best ever advice in episode 457. So with that being said, Chad, here we go. All right. The situation is what you've talked about. You, you're just starting out. You got a good idea. You got value. You'll hustle. You don't have any money. You're not a W-2 employee. What do you do?
1: All right. So... Thing, the approach I took was, uh, is a lot like what you think about when you hear about Silicon Valley and a lot of other startups and other businesses, but maybe it's not as talked about as much in real estate. And so the solution for me was to actually find an angel investor. And so for for those of you who don't know what that means, I probably didn't when I first started, is basically you find somebody who, instead of just finding, going to the bank, you find a, an experienced investor or somebody, in a, an entrepreneur who's been in the business for a long time, likely has a higher net worth likely is not necessarily that they're older, but they've got some kind of some hard earned wisdom in the business, and particularly in real estate investing this this time around. And so you want to find I was kind of the young pup. He was the old lion is what is what my angel investor called us. And and so I, I just started talking around and networking, which has been a theme for me. And I was actually taking a class at Clemson University where I just graduated from in business. And I had a business investor who was uh, talking about real estate investment stories. And so I just, after class, picked his brain and said, hey, I, I'm trying to get into real estate investing myself and asked if I could ride around with him, look at some of his properties. And, and I guess that's the theme of these kind of conversations. I wasn't asking for money right off the bat, but I developed a relationship with somebody who I knew as a player in town and learned more about him. And then I waited for my t- the right moment. And I basically presented a mini version of a, of a business plan. I said, here are the types of properties I'm finding. I showed them examples of a house that I had found and assigned to another investor and made a little bit of a markup on it. And I said, here's a deal. It's a single family house. It'll be worth about $100,000, $110,000. I'm going to try to be all in for about $70,000. And it's going to be a fixer upper. I'm going to need to buy it for about 50000 maybe put another twenty into it. So I'm going to need $70,000 in order to buy this property and make money on it. Do you know a way that you could work with me that we can mo- both make money and, and we could figure out a, a way to get the deal done? It was sort of as simple as that because I really didn't at that point. I, I developed a little bit more, um, you know, the toolbox and specific tools that we can go into and talk about. But that was pretty much my presentation was saying, I, I can find deals. I'm hustling. Here's some proof. I need some money. I'd like to make
2: a, a bigger piece of the pie. Can you figure out a way that we can do this? How was the re- reception to that question?
1: It was pretty positive actually. So, and I think you know, he kind of slowed me down a little bit and he asked questions as you would, as you would assume that a more experienced investor would. And he said, well, what, what kind of location is this in? What kind, you know, show me how you're developing your numbers. You said there's 20,000 repairs. You know, what does that, what does that mean? What are you, what kind of repairs are you doing? Are there, and and so I went, I went into more detail and he asked me to come back to him and present him some more details. And I did. And, he said, "Yes, if you if you find a deal that looks like that with those numbers, then then we can figure out a way to do it." And the the basic way we did that starting off, and it got a little bit different down the road, but we just did a joint venture partnership where we had a an LLC that all that, that we uh, that I I owned with him, and he put up the money and went to the bank for actually for part of the funding, but put up most of the money, and then we bought it together. We fixed the property up we turned around and we sold it. And so that was, we we split the profit. It was just a simple profit sharing. His role was putting up the money. My role was was finding the deal and managing the rehab. When when the deal was sold, we figured out what the net profit was and we had an equation for that. You You add your basis in the purchase plus the rehab costs, plus the holding costs and take out any sales costs and whatever's left over for a profit, we split
2: simple as that 50 50 he puts up the money you do everything else how many of those deals did well who paid for the paperwork to draft up the joint venture agreement and did you work with an attorney on that
1: yeah yeah we had an attorney do this basic you know basic paperwork and I'll, I'll admit that it was not as uh sophisticated and probably as good as it should have been it would have been 13 years later but you know it got the it got the deal done and we, we communicated our intent to each other and we actually only did one deal doing it that way. Um, it was just, it was a little bit more complicated than we wanted to do. And, and what I ended up doing later, and this is, this is the cookie cutter that was worked really well for us over a long period of time was that instead of him being just a, an equity partner, we, we moved more to where me as, an entrepreneur, I'm the owner. I'm the equity person. He was a lender. And so he, he, he stayed in the role of lender to this day. But we, we got pretty creative with the lending role and that he would you know as, as most lenders would he wanted interest and so we would figure out an interest rate for example we might pay him a seven percent interest rate but then the angel part of the investor equation came in where he was actually wanting a piece of the profit on the back end as well he was willing to do he's willing to take a kind of a guaranteed return but he wanted to earn a piece of uh the, the equity that i'm the value added that i'm creating with that property and so we use that basic little formula of saying, for example, we could turn, we could buy a rental property now, and I could say, all right, I've, I've got a, an opportunity here to buy um, a duplex, and it's under, it's, bad, it's got poor management. The rents are 500 when they should be 800. Uh, let's take a year or two to get this thing stabilized. Let's get it rented out. Let's let's use the current cash flow to pay my, my lender just kind of an interest-only rate, and then once I get it turned around and the rents raised and the values increase then we'll we'll sell it and make a profit and we'll, we'll split it and typically it was a 50/50 split but over time we, you could do different deals depending on how much value each person added and so we, we just kind of kept it simple in that way
2: and uh, just just to kind of close the loop on the joint venture the first deal did you pay for the paperwork that was drafted up and do you if so would you remember how much it was
1: uh, I did and I think it was 750 or so for a local attorney. Seven hundred fifty dollars, and was that a lot of money for me? Yeah, <laughs> at that point, I mean, you know, I, I had I had a little bit of money saved up. I'd been buying and selling some houses, but th- that wasn't a big. I didn't think I wasn't intimidated by that number. I just I figured if somebody can do it, do it for me, and we can at least get it pr- pretty much right, I'm 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 willing to pay that. I'm sure. I mean, knowing what I know now, and you know, you've done a lot of syndications and things like that. You can get in a lot bigger numbers, I assume, doing doing uh, big syndications, but. It was just an LLC and he formed, and they recommended having just a general, just a typical partnership where every, you contributed. The, uh, everybody split the profit or, uh, equally, and it was fairly simple, kind of boilerplate.
2: With the the new structure or how it evolved, where you're, uh, can we, can, let, let's call this person something. Can we just t- uh, call him by his first name? What's his first name?
1: Uh, just call him John.
2: John, okay sure. so so when uh, John's doing the interest rate at seven percent and then getting uh, equity uh, for up the upside what what type of equity split do you have with him is there a performance hurdle or is it um, just a straight equity split how, how that's how is that structured
1: okay so the way we would have a promissory note and we define all this in our promissory note and the the, the split was defined as that the the original basis. So what would I purchase the property for plus any additional basis that we added to the property? So any capital improvements that we did and particularly because these were quick turns, we 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 put much in, pretty much anything that was going to add value to the property. We defined as part of the basis. So the purchase price, the original closing costs, and then also any like, so if I spent $20,000 doing, putting a new roof on painting the outside, putting new windows in the property, painting carpet, that sort of thing. We would, we would, all of that would be included in, in the, the basis for our, for our terms of splitting the, splitting the profit. And then when we turned around and sold it, the, the sales cost, of the realtor commission, the closing costs that I might contribute to the buyer, um, all, all of that was included in, in that as well. So we were shooting for about on a typical single family house, you know, 20 to $30,000 profit was kind of our, our goal on the back end. And so, and so we were we were typically splitting that 50 50 with this original angel investor. So if I made if we made a thirty thousand dollar profit, I was making fifteen thousand dollars. He was making fifteen thousand on on the kicker, um, but he was putting up a hundred percent of the money. So I didn't have any of my capital in, in the deal.
2: Okay, a little comf- a little confused. I, I thought the deal structure evolved. Maybe I misunderstood. You said the first one was basically what you just described, but I thought you said the second one. There was, he was more of the lender and there was an interest rate plus equity upside.
1: Exactly. Yes. So there there was an interest rate. I, I, I paid him interest every single month. So that, that was a guaranteed, you made, you made, he made 7% interest. Whether I, whether that deal lost money, whether that deal made money, whether it took six months to sell, whether it took 12 months to sell, he's making, I'm making an interest payment to him.
2: Okay. And on the first deal, there was no interest payment. It was just 50, 50. Exactly. Yes. Got it. Okay, what's the benefit of having him be the lender with that interest rate versus how you structure it in the first way?
1: Well, one was I just I thought it was simpler in my bigger picture to have a a lender and a borrower, and you know, and and also what you mentioned about having equity partners and having a separate LLC and having to keep tax returns and that sort of thing. It just it wasn't it wasn't the, the long term structure we wanted to go with, and so we just in that was, that was the primary reason. And I don't, I don't know that we thought a lot about the the reasons up front, but you know, long run it was, it was, it was simpler for us because we could just, we could, we had a, we could kind of define our numbers. Here's, here's what it was and, and kind of move forward. But, you know, I, I'm trying to think what your original question was, Joe. At no, no,
2: you've answered it. No, no, no. You've answered That's good. That's good. So have you evolved your structure since then, or is that the structure that you're, you've, you've kept?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like that was a good, like the first three to four years of our business, having an angel investor who we give a pretty big piece of the pie to on our deals, just so that we know we have the money. It was definitely worth it for us. But over time, you know, we, that's, we, we as we have the ability to bar- perform better and we have to save up some of our own money, you know, the, the deal with even with that angel investor evolved to the point where we said, look, you know, we, we would rather just pay you a set interest rate is that okay? Can we pay you 7% interest? Today we pay 6% interest to the same lender. And, you know, I think that's just kind of been the, the proving that we can perform, proving that we, what we're wanting to do. And then also just the fact that our business model has evolved a little bit. We do fewer flips and we do more long-term holds. And so we, we stopped using our angel investor as much. And, and, and when he asked why we said, well, we're just not, it's a little bit more expensive than what we can do other, other places. And we're also doing more rental properties. And so we'd like to evolve more into the long-term rental property business. And he had his money sitting on the sideline and said, well, I know these guys. I've done a lot of deals with them. And so it was kind of cool to evolve to the point where he would do lower interest deals, but over longer periods of time. So sometimes 15-year kind of uh, mortgages with us because we had that track record. And now we're able to buy some properties and hold them without going to the bank as well.
2: When you're you're working with a partner i mean i think one of the things that that stands out is this uh, john he spoke to at one of your classes then you went up to him had a conversation asked if you could ride a, ride around and look at properties with him you developed a relationship and then you waited you said you waited for the right moment to show him a business model from the time you first said a word to him to the time you presented him that business model? How long was that?
1: Good question. Yeah. It was actually about 12 months. It, was, it took me that long. So I took a class and I was learning just about business and investing and what was going on and just very, very much a beginner when I first started talking to him. And But then I went out and, I, and my, my story is I started just going out and trying to find some deals. And I mentioned that I signed or I wholesale deals to other people. And that's what that's what I did for the first 12 months was, it was just trying to figure out how, how does this model work? How can I find deals? How does direct mail work? And I was just out hunting for deals 100 percent of the time. And the, the simplest way for me to start was just to assign them to other people. But pretty soon I felt like, you know, there's a bigger chunks of equity that I could be capturing here. And that was the evolution to go back to him and say, and that was part of my business model. I said, look, I'm leaving a lot of uh, meat on the bone, which is fine. You know, I have no problem with it. I've made some money this year. But I feel like if I had the money for these deals from somebody like you, we could both make we could both make more money. And so it was just sort of a simple proposition in that way.
2: How many conversations roughly did you have with him over that 12-month period of time?
1: Was pretty regularly. So I'd say, you know, I was calling him for advice and, and that was a big part of this angel investor kind of mentality for me. It was that he was not only a lender, but he was also a mentor. And, and so I would call him weekly pretty much to say, hey, I'm... Here's, and I would tell him about the deals that I was doing, not necessarily asking him about, hey, can you do a deal with me? But just saying, you know, here's a deal I have. I'm, you know, what do you think about this? I'm assigning somebody else, and and so it very much built that relationship, built that trust. He knew what we were doing, and I think that was a big part of the reason that once I asked for the the money, it, it was pretty fast at that point because I, I told him I was making offers on deals. I might get one tomorrow. You know, can we? if, if I find one, can we do a deal together? And so by the time I asked to show the business model, it was probably within a few weeks that we got a deal together and did it.
2: Is there anything that you want to mention as it relates to starting your company without a W-2 uh, income and uh, partnering to find that missing piece of, of funding?
1: Yeah, I think that there's a mentality involved. And some people might listen to this and say, wow, you're giving up a lot of your deal in order to to get started. That seems like you're giving away too much i I've, I've had people tell me that and, you know, in, in the big picture, what my take is, is that if you're, if you're new or if you're experienced and you're just kind of hit a, a roadblock financing wise, that my mentality has always been, is that you, I'm, I'm, I'm from the deep South, you know, we like eating pies and you know, sweet potato pies and those sort of things. Like if you're hungry and you want to eat a pie, but you don't have the money to go buy a pie at this, at this pie store, you know, why would you not go over to Joe and say, Hey, Joe, I've got this great deal on a pie. I've got a discount on it. If you put up the money, I'll give you half the pie. I'll take half the pie. We both eat. We're happy. And so I, so it's like, it's like the half a pie mentality. It's like, why would you not give away, even if it takes giving away half the pie to get a good deal early on, do it. You know, that's, you're you're going to eat. You're going you're gonna to be profitable. And then over time, yes, that might be a, a, the bigger picture of your business model. That might not be the most optimal way to do it. But that's sort of the point: is that an angel investor is somebody who can give you the money, they can give you advice, they can kind of make sure you don't get completely off track early on in your career, and even to this day, is somebody who's a mentor for me and I can go back to. And so you're you're getting a lot of you're getting a lot more than just the money. You're getting um, somebody to plug some holes in your business model because as a as a newbie, there's tons and tons of things that I didn't know, and the most dangerous part about that was I didn't know what I didn't know. And and I'm aggressive, and I'm a hustler, and I'm gonna go make this happen. And that's great; those are all good parts of the equation. But you've got to—I feel like you have to surround yourself by people who are gonna help you uh, not run over the cliff, you know, with your enthusiasm and your hustle. And this—this is one of the key pieces of the puzzle for me. Um, In addition to having an attorney and a CPA and some other people who are good advisors, this—this angel investor or whoever that your mentor is early in your career is, is super important, I think, for for your. Overall success, kind of moving forward.
2: Well, I, I've heard I've heard people use the uh, analogy of piece of the pie, but I've never actually heard someone use it in the literal sense. And um, need, of course, we needed someone uh, from Clemson, South Carolina, to do that. And if I had a multiple choice uh, question, I would have picked Clemson, Carolina, will be the person who uh, gives that example. Hey, we, we got no we
1: got no qualms about eating our eating our sweet potato pie or whatever is down here. And
2: we're,
1: we're good to go with that.
2: Oh wow. well well it, it's a, it's a it is a fitting approach to to kind of take that use that analogy and it's it's just it's a no-brainer for me i mean if you've got an opportunity but you, you need some you know some other uh, parts to complete the opportunity then bring in others make sure expectations are set accordingly at the front because the biggest issue from what I've heard uh, from all the guests I've interviewed as well as my own uh, partnerships uh, will be if the expectations aren't clearly defined up front Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm actually going through something right now where uh, somebody asked me to be on the board for one of their real estate startups and um, I'm uh, trying to define what the expectations are. And it might appear to be that uh, you know, you're approaching it as a transaction, not a relationship basis. But there's a fine line of going in, yeah, we're, we're good. Let's, we're, we've got a great relationship. Let's make this happen versus let's make this happen. But I also want to make sure I'm delivering on what you want me to deliver on and I'm compensated for what I'm, I'm doing. So you, you've got to define that, which is what you did with that uh, joint venture partnership. I, uh, I, I think the twelve-month period of time that passed, where you met John and then you continually uh, called him up, asked him for advice, and learned from you know the advice that he had, then evolved that business relationship. I mean, there there really isn't a silver bullet when you raise money. It's all about just spending time with people and. You know, giving them something that uh, that that they don't have access to, or they don't want to spend time doing, but they see a lot of value uh, if they receive it, and and that's what you've done. Getting into the specifics of the joint venture partnership, uh, the 50-50 split, and then as it's evolved, where you're using um, or you're partnering with that individual with the debt and the and they have some equity upside on it. So really, really good story. And I'm glad that we went through the situation and, and learned uh, these lessons that we've talked about. And, and then, I mean, just from a, a very simple lesson, if somebody is speaking at one of your classes, if you're in college or one of the seminars, um, talk to them, go up, have a conversation with them. And um, you ask if, you know, first usually you want to ask uh and have some have done some research prior and give them something but then if it's appropriate then do what chad did and see if you can ride around with them look at properties or whatever is most relevant i mean there's there's a billion different things that you could you could talk to them about that would add value or you know you would ask them for depending on the relationship but uh, just great stuff And, and chad where is the best ever place the best ever listeners can reach you
1: Sure. I I write a blog every week at uh, coachcarson.com. So I write a lot about real estate investing, but also just about personal productivity and uh, personal finance and early retirement. And so they can check me out there and I'd love to hear from them.
2: All right. Thanks so much, Chad. Have a best ever weekend and talk to you soon. You too, Joe. Thanks a lot for having me. If you need money for your flipping project, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. You'll know within 30 seconds if you're approved or not to get money for your residential flip. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, join me in subscribing to the Family Office Podcast. The host, Richard Wilson, you can learn more about him, episode 447. The reason why. You'll want to subscribe and listen to this podcast as he talks about how billionaire families think and how to attract the ultra-wealthy into your business, the Family Office Podcast.